Let's look to the Lord. Father, this morning we come to you. We come to you as children. Your children. Faithful children. Lost children. Wayward children. You know what label unity put on us. But Lord, we still come back. Walking straight. Hesitant. Some crawling. But we are coming back to you. For you are our father. Yes, there was that song. Me kahan jau. Where else can we go? There's only one father. Only one home. And we are coming to our father. The shepherd of our souls. The one who is more interested in us than we are in him. The one who thinks about us all the time when we don't even spare a thought for him. The one who carries us on his shoulders when we are not even aware of it. The one who was called the everlasting father at his children broke his back. Pierced his side. And he forgave them. Help us not to forget who you are. You always will be. For in heaven, the day we are translated and we reach heaven, we will see the only man-made architecture, if you want to call it, will be these cards we left on your back and your hands and on your feet. Help us not grow weary, tired, walking with you, serving you. One day in the twinkling of an eye, we will all know it was worth it. So speak to us, Father, this morning. Comfort every tired, weary heart. Heal, strengthen every sick, weak body. Lift up every spirit. For our Redeemer draweth nigh. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. We'll go back to Joshua, though we are not studying from Joshua today, but we will go to Joshua chapter 3 and get the pattern from there. Verses 1 to 3, 4, 5. Then Joshua rose early in the morning. I could stop there and continue the whole sermon for two hours. Blessed are those who wake up early in the morning. (laughs) Both Joshua and Yeshua wakes up early in the morning. And they were busy people, but they found time to wake up in the morning. Early in the morning, and they set out from Acacia Grove, came to Jordan, and he and all the children of Israel lodged there before they crossed over. So it was, 
After three days, the officers went through the camp. And they commanded the people saying, When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God, and the priest, the Levites, bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Do not come near it, that you may know the way by which you must go, for you have not passed this way before. And Joshua said to the people, Sanctify yourself for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Very simple. What is Joshua telling them? Because it's not for that generation alone. This is for every generation that is waiting to cross over. The final crossover is getting closer and closer. The first thing God says is, wait. Wait. Even though they have been waiting for 38 years, he still says, wait. Most difficult thing is to wait. Final command of Jesus to his disciples was, wait. Then he says, watch. Just because you're waiting, doesn't mean do nothing. Watch. Watch where? Watch the ark. Watch the ark. Keep your eyes on the ark. Keep a distance between the ark and you so that you can see it very carefully. Keep a distance. Don't get too familiar with the things of God. That's when we start, worship becomes casual, prayer becomes casual, word becomes casual. It's because we haven't kept that distance. I still like the old time churches where, okay, the pulpit was high up. And the man of God stood there because it was showing how the word of God. And they would say, let us all stand up for the reading of the word of God. Okay, this was simply to show the reverence for God's word and for God. Because if you get too close, we will miss our spiritual vision. Keep your distance. Two implications over here. One, show your reverence. Second, what is that distance? It's 2,000 cubits. It's a distance between him and us. Him coming back for us. It's a distance of 2,000 years. 2,000 years. And to cross over. Now see River Jordan as our final river we are going to cross over. One day we will all cross over. Either he comes and takes us or we will all cross over. Moses, your servant is dead. Remember, I told you, one day I will die. Don't forget to come for my funeral. And I will check the qualities of your flowers. Don't come empty-handed. Everybody is watching. It's a fact of matter. Reconcile with the idea of death. And it should hold no fear. That's what resurrection is all about. He said, you don't have to be afraid. You can never die. can never die. You have to deal with it because the end of life is death. If you have dealt with the end, the rest is all okay. If you haven't dealt with this, it doesn't matter what you deal with. So Jesus is dealing with that first. He overcame death through death. He took care of everything else. So this thing you have to keep because the great fear of man is all ultimately connected to death. We have to cross that river. Either we die or he comes. Everybody will have to cross that river. I'm not saying Canaan is heaven, but I'm saying has types. 
But when we cross that river, before we cross that river, there's one thing God says, sanctify yourselves. Sanctify yourselves. Okay, so keep that in the back of your minds. Now I'm going to Luke chapter 12 and verse 35. Let your waist be girded and your lamps burning and you yourselves be like men who wait for their master. So the first thing he told them was, wait, how do you wait? How do you wait? Everywhere in the world, people are waiting for something. But the question is, who are you waiting for? Who are you waiting on? Let your ways be girded and your lamps burning. And you yourself be like men who wait for their master when he will return from the wedding. That when he comes and knocks, they may open to him immediately. You know Old Testament or New Testament? Much of the teaching in the Old Testament and the New Testament is about the second coming of Jesus Christ. The Jews did not know about the first coming. That's why Isaiah 53 is a blank book for them. But they knew the second coming. They confused the two, but they were all expecting the second coming was for them the only coming. So the whole Bible is littered with the second coming of Jesus Christ. Even the first one who was taken alive, Enoch prophesied about the second coming of Jesus Christ. There is should be an excitement in us. We are getting ready, always prepared, ready to cross over. No, like one thing is about deaths. We had young child die last week. She was seven or eight years. Young child die last week. She had a stomach pain. Christian kids. Parents took to the hospital. They said she needs surgery and she died on the OT. No. Small kids dying, old people dying, just dying. You know, one of the pastors used to come regularly, very good man. I remember he sits where Joanne is sitting there, always named, never misses. He just died. <laughs> Young man just died. So we are living in a time when nobody actually knows when they will die <laughs> or when he comes. And God says, you should wait. First thing he says is wait. How should you wait? Like people who are waiting on their masters. The master has gone out. Don't know when he's coming back. But when he comes back, you should open to him immediately. Okay? Immediately. There's a preparation. There's a preparation. Because church is preparing for his coming. Wait, that they may open to him immediately. You are ready with your lamps burning. With your lamps burning, with your light burning. So we need to ask the question. We are all waiting. We are waiting for so many things in life. Is there anybody here who is waiting for the Lord? What are you waiting for? It's a question. Next verse, 37. 
Blessed are those servants whom the master, when he comes, will find watching. Why were they able to open the door immediately? Because they were not just waiting, they were watching while they were waiting. Okay. They heard the footsteps. If you want to use any illustration, you know, you knew the sound of his footsteps. Oh, his horse, whatever. You know something specific, special about moms? I don't know whether it tallies with modern day moms, but it used to tally with moms. You take a mother to a nursery and there are 200 babies over there. The mother knows her babies cry. How did she know? Whether that's mine <laughs> crying. Will we know his coming? Watching? Waiting? Watching? Mark 13. Verse 32. But of that day and hour, no one knows. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the Father, nor the Son, but only the Father. So first thing, no one knows. If anybody sets a day, he is deceived. Nobody knows. Who said it? Jesus said it. It's written. Scripture. Nobody knows. So you cannot set a day. You cannot set a time. That is the only thing God left unrevealed in 2000 years. Because that's the only way we will prepare. No? Because children are used to preparing the day before the exams. Oh, Jesus is coming on April the 9th. Eighth day is a day of fasting and repentance. It won't work. So anybody, it's like the man who said in 1988 the Lord was coming. So he wrote a book, 1988 Reasons Why the Lord Will Come in 1988. God didn't come. So he added one more reason and published the next book, 1989 Reasons Why He Will Come in 89. He didn't come in 89 too. So anybody, doesn't matter what a big name, how anointed you may feel he is, nobody can set a date. Okay? But, because that day is not known, the warning is, take heed. Take heed. Watch and pray. Remember, not even the angels in heaven know. So let not a man come on TV and say, I had an angelic visitation and the angel told me, the Lord is coming in the year 2024. Or I was taken up in the spirit and I met Jesus and Jesus told me I am coming back in 2024. Very clear, nobody knows. Jesus says all these deceivers will come in the last day saying Christ is here, Christ is there, Christ is coming. So be warned. But because we do not know, don't be complacent. Take heed, watch and pray. For you do not know when the time is. You do not know when the time is. It is like a man going to a far country who left his house and gave authority to his servants to eat his work and commanded the doorkeeper to watch. Watch therefore. For you do not know when the master of the house is coming in the evening, at midnight, at the crowing of the rooster, or in the morning. Lest coming suddenly he find you sleeping. 
what I say to you, I say to all. Ends with that. What I say to you 2000 years ago to the disciples, he says, I say to all. So he says, wait, watch, and when he went, he say, work. So work for you to do. Watch, therefore. What I tell them, tell you, I tell everybody, watch. Because that event that will take place is a fraction of a second. Because it says the twinkling of an eye and not even a second. It will happen. So today let's go to Matthew 16. And we'll read from Matthew 16, verse 24 to 17. Okay. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Yes. No, no, no. no. I need the whole thing. 16, 24 onwards. Okay, all those verses. Till chapter 17, verse 9. That's the text for today. Got it? For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Then he comes and asks this rhetorical question. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his angels. Then he will reward each according to his works. Assuredly, I say to you, there are some standing here who shall not taste death till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Now, after six days, but you need to understand, this is a continuation written by the Holy Spirit through men. There are no chapter divisions in the original Bible. Chapter divisions were added by editors. So, he says this, and the next continuous line is, Now after six days, Jesus took Peter, James and John, his brother, because Jesus, if you, if you understand, if you understand this concept in your mind, then you will understand how the Holy Spirit actually has written scripture through human vessels. Jesus will give a particular teaching, and then there will be a spiritual illustration of how it works. He's first talking about people who will try to find their life, and at the moment of his coming will realize they lost everything. And there are a few others who will lose their life and will be called fools in this world, and at the hour of his coming they will realize they have found their life. And then he asks, evaluate your soul. What's the price of your soul? What's the price of your soul? Think about your soul. Your whole life is connected with your soul. What's the price of your soul? What's the price tag you will put on your soul? And then you have this illustration. Now after six days, Jesus took Peter, James and John, his brother, and led them up on a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun. His clothes became as white as the light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with them. And then Peter answered and said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here, if you wish. Let us make here three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. 
while he was still speaking behold a bright cloud overshadowed them and suddenly a voice came out of the cloud saying this is my beloved son in whom i am well pleased hear him and when the disciples heard it they fell on their faces and were greatly afraid but jesus came and touched them and said arise and do not be afraid and when they lifted up their eyes they saw no one but jesus only okay so everywhere if you study and if your heart is looking forward to the coming of the lord you will see the patterns over there you need to realize why the jews in the old covenant or the apostles in the new covenant for a long time missed out the second coming of jesus christ they missed out the second coming of jesus christ why did it happen if you go to ephesians i didn't give it ephesians 5:32 okay 5:32 this is a great mystery but i speak concerning christ and the church the greatest mystery in the bible was the mystery of the church the jews had no idea had no idea there was something called the church coming into being the jews had no idea it was a mystery it was hidden the apostles had no idea they were all part of the jewish nation they had no clue that in god's plan in eternity there was you and me the gentiles the church is primarily consists of the gentiles and a few jews who got saved but it's a gentile are you getting the picture abraham married sarah isaac married rebecca jacob married leah and rachel joseph married a gentile joseph is a type of christ will have a gentile wife okay it was a mystery they had no clue they had no clue okay that's why when he is walking on earth they are always talking about when is the kingdom going to be restored when is the kingdom going to be restored when is the kingdom going to be restored when is the kingdom the question is always connected with because in the jewish mind the kingdom is only connected with them and not to with the gentiles gentiles have no part in it at all we were not in their mindset and god did not reveal it to them either until the time came he did not reveal it to them even on the day of pentecost go to acts chapter 2 verses 17 okay peter is standing on the day of pentecost and it shall come to pass in the last days says the lord that i will pour out my spirit on all flesh your sons and your daughters shall prophesy your young men shall see visions your old men shall dream dreams and on my men servants and my maid servants i will pour out my spirit in those days they shall prophesy i will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath blood and fire and vapor of smoke 
The sun shall be turned into darkness, the moon into blood, before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. You know, he started the salvation message and flipped straight to the end. He just fast forward right to the end because he didn't know anything about the Gentile church. Because it's not given to him. The mystery of the Gentile. You need to realize when Peter was asked to go to Cornelius' house, he was shocked. But God had to show the visions many times before he approved and he is debating with God. And he then also tells Cornelius, I have never entered into a Gentile house, all that. And when the spirit fall fell upon them, they were all shocked. They were all shocked. Go to Acts chapter 22. Verse 1 and 2. This is Paul later in Jerusalem. Brethren and fathers, hear my defense before you now. And when they heard that he spoke to them in the Hebrew language, they kept all more silent. Then he said, and he's giving his whole testimony about Jesus, meeting Jesus, and they're all okay. They're fine with that, okay? Hebrew man speaking in Hebrew to Hebrew, all macha macha, they're all good. Then it comes to verse 21 and 22. Then he said to me, for I will depart, for I will send you far from here to the Gentiles. And they listened to him until this word. And then they raised their voices and said, Away with such a fellow from the earth, for he is not fit to live. Suddenly everything changed. The Gentiles were never factored in by the Jews. God had factored us in. You need to understand why they struggled with the second coming of Jesus Christ. Because for them there was only one coming. The son of David comes to restore the kingdom. But before that restoration took place, God had a plan for us. Had a plan for us. The number of Gentiles should get in. So that's the mystery. So that's why you need to realize how awesome is this God. The mystery. And a fish ball is the one to whom the mystery is revealed. To the most kosher Jew, God revealed the mystery and said, go preach to the Gentiles. And he says, I'm an apostle to the Gentiles. You should read Ephesians, the book of Ephesians. There are six mixed mysteries in it. One of the mysteries is the mystery of the church. So looking back at Matthew 16, 24 and 26, Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone decides to come after me, you have to desire to go after Jesus, everybody. No, it's not, it's not that we don't understand English. It's very simple English. Because whatever we decide to go after, we go after. Go after. He says, you have to deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. Then in 25, 26 says, whoever decides to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. What profits it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Stop for a second and ask this question. What happens? You gain the whole world. This is your heart's desire. You had his heart's desire. You denied yourself. You went after, sacrificed. And you got what you wanted. 
but at the end of it, you lose your own soul. So he says, have you ever put a price tag on your soul? Ask with a question. In verse 27 and 28, he immediately flips to the second coming. Just keep these questions very carefully. He says, think over these questions because it's got to do with my coming. For the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his angels. Then he will reward each one according to his works. Assuredly, I say to you. And this is confusion. Very confusing. Assuredly, I say to you, there are some standing here, he who says, who shall not taste death? A very confusing thing. Now, if you don't understand the context, we will not understand what this means. So, we have to go to chapter 17. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, and led them on a high mountain by themselves. First thing we need to realize, in the kingdom, there are divisions. There are divisions. After six days, Jesus took only three with him. He had twelve. Then he had another seventy or seventy-two. But he only took three with him. There is a division here. And verse 2 says, And he was transfigured in front of them. In other words, in front of them, he was translated. It's a picture of rapture. What happens when rapture takes place? We will see the Christ in us being revealed. He was translated before them. His face shone like the sun and his clothes became as white as the light. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and we will see what happens on that day. There are also celestial bodies and terrestrial bodies, but the glory of the celestial is one, the glory of the terrestrial is one. There is one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, another glory of the stars, for one star differs from another star in glory. So also is the resurrection of the dead. The body is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. It is sown in in dishonor. It is raised in glory. Okay? In a twinkling of an eye, when that takes place, we will see what we really are and will be all through eternity. We will be revealed. So he took them up on top, and before them, he was revealed. He was revealed. Jesus was transfigured. Please understand this. Bible over and over says, God is not a respecter of persons. One thing God cannot do is, God cannot love anybody more than he loves now. Because God is love. He loves everyone the same way. 
God doesn't play favorites. But he has those who are his, if I want to use the term, his intimates. These are not whom he loves because he loves everyone. But these are who love him. God looks at all of us and loves us at all of us the same way. But we don't love God the same way. We don't love God the same way. So six days later, when he went up the mountain, there was a separation among his disciples. He took the three whom he knew loved him most. That's why the greatest power God has given us is the power to love. He says that love, love never fails. Love never fails. If you love me, not whether if I love you. He loved us. He showed us on the cross. And he says, if you love me. So in 1 Corinthians 16 and verse 22, this is what Paul says. If anyone does not love the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be. O Lord, it's connected with rapture. It's connected with rapture. One of the first and the foremost way we prepare for his coming is to see that we love him with all our heart, all our might, and all our strength. Everybody learn to love whatever and whomever you love. It didn't come automatically. You learn to love. So you can learn to love God too. You learn to love God too. I love biryani. How did you love? You were born with biryani in your stomach? You didn't even know what it was. You can learn to love God. So Paul is saying at the end of the letter, if no one is loving God that way, leave him behind, Lord. Take the ones whom you, those who you, they who, those who love you. James one twelve. Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life. Which the Lord has promised to those who, those who love him. Not whom those the Lord loves. There are so many factors, so many motivations to overcome something. But the greatest motivation to overcome something is love. He says, those who love me will fight every temptation. And when they fail, they will rise up and come back because they are not bothered about their fall. They are more bothered what their fall did to me. So they will rise up and come back. Those who love me. 2.5 Listen my beloved brethren. Has God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he promised to those who love him. He says if you really love me he says you will be rich in faith. And faith overcomes. Faith doesn't just come by hearing and hearing the word of God. There is a matter of the heart too. Okay, and The most powerful of course is Corinthians 2, 9 and 10. As it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. 
for those who love, not whom God loves, <laughs> those who love him. God has revealed them to us through his spirit, for the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. Those who love God, you know, they are actually usually in communion with the spirit, because the spirit is preparing them for the bridegroom. They have a different personal relationship with the spirit of God, because their agenda is very clear. I love you, Lord. I'm preparing for your coming. And the spirit is able to minister to them. Because only the spirit knows how to get us ready for his coming. Go back to Matthew 17. Jesus is transfigured. And verse 3. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with him. So now, there are two participants. Jesus was transfigured. And then there is Moses and Elijah. Keep that in your mind. Who are there? Moses and Now go to 1 Corinthians 15, 51. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall all not sleep, but we shall be changed. Let's have verse 52 also. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Behold, I tell you a mystery. Yeah. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. So there are, if you look over there, there are two sets of people that will happen. That is there actually in Thessalonians. Okay, I will go there, so that there is no confusion. Go to Thessalonians, First Thessalonians, Second Thessalonians. Because it's an important topic. Don't get off guard. Don't get so caught away. Okay? Chapter 5. Where it says, Chapter 4, verse 15. Chapter 4, verse 15. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord. That we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord by will no means precede those who are asleep. It will happen simultaneously. You happen to be young ones, happen to be the generation when Jesus comes. It will happen simultaneously. Those who died in the Lord will get their bodies instantly and those who are alive will be translated. So there are two people standing with Jesus. Who are they? Who are they? Moses and? Moses died. Elijah did not. Moses died. Elijah did not. So he had given them six days earlier a discourse. How to be careful. Don't we get caught up in this world and all the things of the world because you do not know when your master will come. Be prepared. Be prepared. Be prepared. And then he's giving a practical lesson. But the lesson is given only to three. Because he says, only those who love him can be prepared. Others cannot be prepared. Because they will not listen to what he says. That's why even about commandments, he says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Because it's impossible to make children obey if they don't love you. It's not possible. Joseph had 11 sons and the 12th one is small. Only one son actually loved him. And therefore he obeyed his father. Even when the father is not there. 
The fundamental truth, okay? When I disobey, you disobey, you want to go to the root cause of it? The simple root cause of it is that we don't love God. As simple as that. We don't repent, we don't grieve, we don't mourn because we don't care. And that is the sign of the last days. The love of many shall grow cold. And the day will come unawares. But those who love him, he's able to prepare him. Because the Bible talks, Jesus says, by the washing of the word, without spot, without blemish, without wrinkle. What is all this for? It is for a day. It is the day he comes. The day he comes. So if you have a picture on that mountain, picture on the mountain, Moses and Elijah, the elect and the rapture, the elect who died in the Lord fell asleep in the Lord and the ones who are alive when he comes. And in the twinkling of a second, both will be translated. They will get their glorified bodies and their bodies will be glorified. And Jesus is standing there in the middle as the first fruit. So please understand the question he asked, the rhetorical question. What is the price tag for your soul? You gain the whole world and lose your soul because everybody is running after what the world can offer them. And you lose your soul in the process. In the process. That's why God said this. Don't love the world or the things of the world because if you do, the love of the Father cannot stay in you. Cannot stay in you. You will lose it. And if you want to see it best, see it with babies. It's all practically demonstrated with babies. The baby who will cling to the mother and cling to the father and will not allow them to put them down, show them a balloon. They will leave everybody and go for the balloon. What happened? What happened? A worthless one rupee balloon, you abandoned your mother? Now we laugh about the baby. What worthless things, for what worthless things have we abandoned God and gone after? That's why God says so. So understand what God is trying to say there. Understand what happens when rapture takes place. Understand the participants represented there by Moses, those who have fallen asleep. And Elijah, who will be alive. And what are we supposed to do? Verse 4, Peter. 17.4, yeah. And Peter's answered. There was no question, but he's forever answering. Peter is the first man who had this foot in mouth disease. Always has something to say. Peter is a classic case of a man who speaks without thinking. A lot of people just speak without thinking. They don't, they don't think. What does my words mean in this context? They don't, they just, emotion, they will just blurt it out. What does he say? Lord, it is good for us to be here, if you wish. Let us make here three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. If Jesus had listened to them, the fighting would have started because there are three tabernacles and six people. Who will get into which tabernacle? 
Who do you want to go with? Jesus tabernacle or Moses tabernacle? Elijah's tabernacle. God's answer. Simple answer from the Father. Verse 5. Verse five. Okay. And there was a voice from heaven. Verse 5. Verse from heaven. Where God said, Listen to my son. What did he say? This is my beloved son in whom I pleased. Hear him. He says, you know, as fathers, we can remember things about our children. This was in the year 1998. My daughter came back from school. She is four years old. And she said, My friend Nikitasha Mahanta said, Talk less, think more. I still remember that day when my little girl remembered what her friend said and kept and repeated it like a parrot before me. said, my friend, I can even remember her friend's name. Nikitasha Mahanta said, speak less. No, speak less, listen more. That's exactly what God is telling Peter. Speak less, listen to my son. Hear him. Don't make your plans. Hear him. Whenever we see something spectacular, immediately we have our own plans. Our own plans. And when they heard that voice, the Bible says, they fell to the ground. They fell on their faces, were greatly afraid. But Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. It's one of the fundamental things you have to deal in these last days. Everything is being created. The news media, everything is to induce more and more fear in us. Jesus comes and tells us very gently, touches them and said, get up, get up. Don't be like your forefathers who were very afraid when they heard a sound from the mountain. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Luke 21, 25 and 26. There will be signs in the sun, in the moon and in the stars and on earth. Distress of nations. Nations will be distressed. Every nation will be distressed. One of the things which you search, if you find in the news is, two banks, three banks collapsed. 200 banks are on the line to collapse. Curse is the man who puts his trust in mammon. Live in fear. Nations will be in distress. In the last days. Because everything that can be shaken will be shaken. 
so that you and I will know what we are receiving is the kingdom that cannot be shaken by natural events or man-made events or demonic events cannot shake the kingdom. How will you know what you believe is true? You will only know when the earthquake comes whether your building was earthquake-proof. You will know the nature of the material of your construction. Perplexity, the seas and the waves roaring. Verse 26, men's heart failing them from fear and expectation of things which are coming on the earth. Not that they have come, it's coming on the earth. What did Jesus say? Matthew 6, 34. What did he say? And how many of us practice it? What did he say? Matthew 6, 34. 33, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Wonderful promise. Thank you, Lord. What did he say in 34? Read. Do not worry about tomorrow. How many of you are already sitting and worrying about April? Worry about tomorrow. Why? Sufficient for that day are the troubles. Each day comes with quota of troubles. Because we are, we are worrying about tomorrow, we are not handling today. So what happening? We are piling up, piling up, piling up, piling up, piling up, piling up, and one day, collapsed. Yesterday I used that illustration, no? The camel herder is loading on the camel, loading on the camel, loading on the camel, the camel is still this thing. Then finally one boy comes, brings one straw, and he puts on the camel, and the camel collapses. It's called the last straw on the camel's back. Why? Because you didn't take care of today, you kept on piling it up. Why didn't you take care of today? Because we are always worrying about tomorrow. God said for every day there is a special quota for everybody to prepare you for his coming. Every day. There is a certain amount of trouble. I am training you how to handle it, how to handle it, how to handle it, how to handle it. You get stronger and stronger. You are able to face bigger challenges and more stronger challenges. Instead, you don't handle today's challenge. You are always worrying about tomorrow. And then finally, when all these things happening, men's heart failed. Heart attack died. That's what's happening. Twenty-seven. Let's go back to Luke twenty-one. Fear twenty-six. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. On one side, people's hearts are failing, all consumed by fear, and he is coming. It should have been the most exciting moment of your day. Instead, you died of a heart attack. Friday is coming, Thursday you died. What a tragedy. Your wedding was on Sunday, you died on Saturday. That's what he's coming for, right? To get his girl. Hmm? Jesus comes, girl expired. But when these things begin to happen, what is it written next? Look where? Look up. Look up. Where are you looking? Where are you looking? Over and over, in different languages, when we preach, we tell about two people 
important people in the Bible. Important has lesson studies about the last days. Okay, you will real, realize great patriarchs like Abel and Enoch and Noah and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph. These are the big names. And in the middle of it, there is a man who takes a lot of space. His name is Lot. Abraham and Lot entered the promised land on the same day. They went into Egypt the same day, came out of Egypt the same day, but they did not come out the same way. There was a day, Lot, probably a young man, was given the freedom by his uncle, who is practically his father, the freedom to choose on his own. He said, you choose. We don't should not have conflict. You choose. Please remember all these things. There was strife and there is separation. Remember these words in the Bible, where there is strife, there is separation. But in some cases, separation should take place so that you will know who is approved. Jesus is talking about the, about the cross and there is saying there was great strife among his disciples as who is the greatest. There was such strife between Paul and Barnabas, they separated and went in two different ways. And after that we know who is approved because about who is mentioned. All strife is not from God. But sometimes strifes also happen to see who is approved. And Bible says, Lot looked and he saw the land of Jordan, the valley of Jordan. Watered like the garden of Eden, like the land of Egypt. He looked and he chose and he put his tents as close as Sodom. But the problem was that verse 13 gives us God's idea about this man's choice. This is Genesis 13, 13. Talks about the people of the land. The men of Sodom were exceedingly wicked and sinful against the Lord. You looked at the land, but you didn't look at the community. You didn't see properly. You looked at the college you wanted to go, but you didn't look at the kind of students who are going there. You looked at the company, but you didn't look at the homosexual crowd that is in all over in the districts. I know people in this city who messed up because of the company they chose. Because they looked at the salary and they looked at the payslip and looked at the company's profile. But they went in there. It was a different crowd altogether over there. You looked at the land. You thought it was green, but you didn't see the people. What do you see? What do you see? What eyes, with what eyes are we looking at? Are you willing to sell your soul? Did you put a price tag on your soul? Are you ready to go into those places? Are you sent by God? You think it's a joke what is happening in the world now? I asked people who go to US to study. How come? I said in all my lifetime about people who have gone to study, I know only one man who picked a Christian community, Christian college to study. No big profile, just to be safe. All the others went for the high bro and went low bro. How do you make your choices? How do you make your choices? Fifteen years ago, fifteen years ago, sixteen or fifteen years ago, in the school here in Hyderabad, where my kids studied, a teacher came, just in class 8. A teacher came in the class 
newly recruited teacher who had come back from U.S. In that school in Secunderabad, the teacher was saying to their class 8 students, it is okay to be gay. 15. Do you know what's happening? Do you know what's happening? Desensitizing you slowly, little by little by little by. Where are you looking? Know what the next verse says? Verse 14 says, After Lot had separated from Abraham, after a separation took place, the Lord said to Abraham, after Lot had separated from him, lift up your eyes. Now look up and look around. Two men, you know, this is going to decide two generations. This man looked. He didn't look at the people. He chose the land. At the end of the story, he has lost his wife. He's lost his children to the spirit of Sodom. He's lost them. Because he didn't look at the land. He only looked at the career. He only looked at the world. He only looked at what he could rise up there in the world. But at the end of the story, this man who looked, because God said, look, the nation and the church is still there after his name. He's the father of circumcision. And the father of believers. You know why? Because he learned to look up when God said. We are living in dangerous times. And if your eyes are glued onto the internet and the YouTube and TikTok, remember TikTok, your life is TikToking away. That's why it is called TikTok. You're stealing your time and stealing your life. And your ideas is all, you know what? When the Son of Man comes, it will catch you unawares. We'll catch you unawares. The job of the church is to prepare the saved. The job of yours outside is to get people saved and get ready to go. So he said, look up. For your redemption is near. Look up. When you see these things happening, there should be a corresponding excitement inside you start looking up, looking up, start looking up. Meaning, it's a spiritual thing. It's coming. It's getting closer. Time to go home. Doesn't matter what your age is. Because eyes haven't seen or ears heard what, there's no comparison to heaven and earth. There's no comparison. See, so go back to Matthew 17. They fell. Jesus said, don't be afraid. And verse 8, when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one. But Jesus only. When you lift up your eyes, what do you see? Who do you see? You should ask God, Lord, open my eyes. When I look up, I only see you. I don't see anybody else. Only you. Moses will go. Elijah will go. But there is only one who has been promised. Who will be with us forever. Your father will go. Your mother will go. Husband may die earlier. Wife may die earlier. Children may abandon and go. All will leave. But from your womb. To your hoary hairs. White hairs. You know what God says? I am the God who carries you through. At your bedside. Even if you are dying in an ICU or in a government hospital because you are dumb there and nobody cared for you. He says, 
I'm beside you. Here, when you go over there, you will see I'm beside you on the other side. When you look up, who do you see? And you struggle to love him? They saw no one. Perspective. Who do you see? What do you see? And verse 9. Now as they came down the command, come mountain. As they came down the mountain, Jesus gave them a commandment. Don't talk about this now to anybody. No. Tell this vision to no one until the Son of Man is risen from the dead. Don't talk about this. People won't understand. Not even your friends, the other disciples will understand. Don't talk about all these things. You need to realize until the resurrection power gets in, the Holy Spirit comes in and he opens our eyes, we will under, we will not understand so many things that is there in the Bible because it is got to do with him and his second coming. Don't talk about all these things he said. Be silent. Keep quiet. Verse 14. And when they had come to the multitude, what did Peter say? What did Peter say? Let us build three tabernacles. It is good, Lord, to build tabernacles and stay in this mountain top. Hi! Translated Jesus, Moses on one side, Elijah on one side, make a house and stay here. He says, we need to go down. There are people waiting. Worship is great. Enjoy the word. Enjoy the fellowship. There's a multitude waiting out there. They came to a multitude. The man came to him, kneeling down to him, saying, what did he say? Lord, have mercy on me. On my son. For he is an epileptic and suffers. It's a modern translation. Epileptic. He's a demon possessed. These are all demon-induced sicknesses. Most diseases, chronic diseases, behind it, there is a personality. We are living in a demon. Deceived, demon-controlled, demon-possessed world. It's true. Otherwise, you will never understand what news is. You will not understand news. How could people say and speak and do these things? How is it possible? You should ask this question. There was one news yesterday. I don't know whether it is still there or somebody has taken it off. It can't be off. Let me see. Where the president of America says, America is the city on the hill and transgenders are a light to this world. They are laughing. But know who is speaking. 
supposedly the most powerful voice on earth is speaking. States are fighting to give parents right and the whole system is fighting to take the rights away from the parents. What world are you living in? What world? Do you know they are after your children? They are after your children. They are after the children. Because every generation is only one generation away from extinction. And they are after the children. And here is a man coming and say, Lord, have mercy. Have mercy, have mercy on my son. I brought them to your disciples, but they could not do anything. A set of disciples who are powerless in the face of the demonic. Parents who are powerless in the face of the demonic. How can we survive? Go to Revelation 12.12. Look at the times we are living in. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you dwell in them. All those who are asleep in Christ, congratulations, you have escaped this. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you having great wrath, because he knows he has a short time. Because he knows he has a short time. He's come with great wrath. And he's out after the children. If he can't, if he can't get them killed, in the womb, which is called abortion, which is legalized in all Christian nations, then as soon as they are born, he is after them. From KG onwards. Drag queens. Being, teaching them about sex when they are in four or five years old. What is he doing? Like I said, they are going back to the days of Sodom and Gomorrah and all those days. You know what? It's very easy. You don't understand how the system works. All they have to do is reduce the age of consent. 18, 17, 16, 15, 14. They will say, oh, the children today know so much. Bring the consent down to 10. They will bring it down. Pedophilia will be legalized on earth. Watch out and see. Because you don't know the agenda that works behind all this. You do not know. It doesn't matter whether your son, it's your child is a son or a child is a daughter. I'm telling you, you don't know how the agenda works in the occult realm. Because in the occult realm, if you need more power, you sodomize a boy. If you need more power, you impregnate a child girl and drink her blood. That's how the occult works. And where are you sitting and sending your children? What are you watching over your children? Where is your heart? Where is your mind? Because God is the God of children. He said, they are my heritage which I gave to you. What are we thinking about? What are we saying in our prayer closet? What are our prayers aimed at? Do you know it's an industry, occult industry, so that a set of people can receive more and more power from the demonic because the demonic will give nothing to you free until you give them what they ask for. Watch over your children. Don't let them out of your sight. Don't take things 
casual and cold. Stay in your prayer closet. Because this is what the devil comes for. When Pharaoh started throwing the children into the Jewish children into the sea, you need to realize Moses is about to appear. When Herod killed all the children, you knew Jesus had appeared. And when an agenda goes against children, no, his second coming is near. He may not move for you or me, but he will move for the children. Because he said the children are mine. Watch out. There is a set of people who overcame, which is in the previous verse, those who overcame the devil. They overcame him, Satan, by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony and their heart, they did not love their lives even unto death. They did not love their lives. Go back to where we started. Matthew 16, 25, 26. You want to win over the demonic. What is the state of your heart? For whoever decides to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. If you love your life, you will lose it to the demonic. They will take over your minds and your thoughts and they will take you over. But if you lose it for me, you will be able to resist the demonic. You will be able to Overcome the demonic. There is a condition here. The condition. What profit is to a man who gains the whole? But doesn't scripture say the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one? So how did he gain the whole world? Unless he's got an arrangement with the wicked ones. Can any transaction be made in this world and you rise automatically unless you have made a transaction on the other side? And he tried that with Jesus himself. He said, all this is given unto me. Bow down and worship, I'll give it to you. And Jesus said, no. You shall only worship the Lord your God and serve him only. What are we raising our children for? Who are we raising our children for? Luke 17, 32 to 36, especially 36. Remember Lord's wife. He said, remember Lord's wife. Why did he say, remember Lord's wife? So there's something which is not there in Genesis. The last moment, she looked, she didn't look up, she looked back. She didn't look up, she looked back. What was she looking back at? What are you looking back at? Are you looking up? Oh, you're looking back. She looked back at the world which was being judged. It was burning. She looked back. Then he says, Whoever seeks to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life will preserve it. Come further down. Two men will be in the field. One will be taken. Other left. Did you see that? Two in the, I mean, Jesus uses different places. Two in the bed, one taken. How is it possible? We have all couples sitting here. Husband and wife, husband and wife, husband and wife, husband and wife and husband and two in the bed, one taken. How could one be taken? They were always together. They came to church together. They must have been in the worship team also together. 
How did one get taken? The one left behind. The simple thing is that you can prepare for the Lord only by yourself. You can't prepare anybody. I can only prepare myself. I cannot prepare anybody. The husband may be taken or the wife may be taken. How did that happen? Weren't they always together? Didn't they have their devotions together at home? Didn't they come to church together? Didn't they listen to the, all the messages together? How did it happen? They were caught unawares. Suddenly the day came and when the day came, there was a separation. Luke 12. Let your ways be girded, your lamps burning, and you yourself be like men who wait for their master when he will return from the wedding, that when he comes and knocks, they may be open to him immediately. Blessed are those servants whom the master, when he comes, will find watching. Assuredly, I say to you that he will gird himself and have them sit down to eat and will come and serve them. He turns it around. He said, you are waiting. You are watching. You are working. And I saw that even when the hour when I came, now it's my turn. You sit down. I'm going to serve you. You sit down. I'm going to serve you. Blessed are those mass whom the master when he comes will find watching. Did you see all this? Does it just touch your heart? Luke 21. Over and over. Take heed to yourself, lest your heart be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, or the cares of this life. Carousing is with the pleasures of life. Cares is worries about life. Let me ask this question. What is at the top of your mind? What is at the top of your mind? Who's looking up? Are you weighed down or lost in the world? Like I said, the day and the hour, no one knows. For it will come as a snare on all those who dwell on the face of the whole earth. That day will come like a snare. If you are lost in pleasures or lost in worries, it will come like a trap. Come like a trap. You will be caught like a mouse in the trap. Then you read the book of Revelation and what happens during tribulation. You will understand, oh boy, oh boy. I don't want to be here. I don't want to be here. Don't want to be here. Those of you who understand AI will know what is coming. See, H.G. Wells and all wrote this when we were young about a time when machines will take over. It's becoming a reality in my life. News in India. 200,000 people laid off in the IT sector. Why? Machines are taking over. They don't know you. They won't need you. Companies are only looking for profit. And if an artificial intelligence will work better than you, they will close slowly, put you away, and put them in. That's why Jesus said, seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things you are after, I will keep adding. You don't worry about it. 
Which way your nose is directed is important. Verse 40 to 44. Therefore you also be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Then Peter said, Lord, do you speak this parable only to us or all to all the people? Peter, I know he always said to say. Then the Lord said, who then is that faithful and wise steward whom his master will make ruler over his household to give them their portion of food in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Blessed is the one who is found waiting. Blessed is the one who is found watching. Blessed is the one who is found working at his appointed post. What has he appointed? The Google. Yeah. Their portion of bread. Portion of bread. The one who was appointed the portion of bread. Do you know what bread is? Do you think bread is bread? And Jesus talks about the Canaanite woman came for deliverance. Jesus called it the children's bread. Called it the children's bread. What did she want? Her child was sick. He says, bread is for the children. So what is children's bread? It's healing. It's deliverance. Is that the portion we are serving every day to ourselves and our households? That is my portion from the Lord. Blessed are those who are waiting, watching, and serving this out. That's why when Jesus begins his ministry in Luke chapter 4 verse 18, he says, the spirit of the Lord has anointed me. For what? To preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. This is bread. This is bread. We have a lazy brand of Christianity which wants to sit on the mountain and say, let us make three tabernacles and let us sit over here. God says, the multitude is downstairs. And there are demon-controlled people over there whom I have to set free. You want to sit at the mountaintop? Jesus came down from the mountain to the valley. And the Bible says, a multitude was there. Do you know what God talks about that multitude in Joel 3.14? Read. Read all of you loudly. Multitudes, multitudes. And? They still, they still haven't made up their minds. All you study in college, show me your hands. College. College. Show like this, you do like this, how will I see? Show. Okay. Let me ask you the question. Are all your friends saved? Have they heard about Jesus? So you are right there in the valley with multitudes, multitudes and the valley of decision. When they see you, do they know you are a Hebrew? Because Joseph was in Egypt. And his identity, they all said, that fellow is a Hebrew. The one who has crossed the river, he will never turn back.
multitudes, multitudes. Oh, we love church. Yes, good for you. When you go out, you want to stay forever in the church and do what? Give me more trouble? Do you know you are sent out once? We have the attitude of Peter. Let's just stay in our own little, little homes, cliches, and be so nice and come always worship. No, God says there's a multitude outside, and the day of the Lord is near. And they are in the valley of indecision. They are not made up their minds yet. Matthew 17, 17, Jesus' first response. Oh, faithless. First thing. He said, you could have all done it by yourself. This is a self-help book. This is a self-help book. Teacher is inside, book is outside. You can do it by yourself. Teacher is inside, book is outside. You can do it by yourself. But what is the problem? You are faithless. Faith like do. No faith. Hearing, hearing, hearing. No faith getting in. Do you believe what you hear? First thing he says, you are a faithless generation. Faithless. I'll give you a simple homework to do today after lunch and I'll go home. Sleep nicely for some time. Don't do it on a full stomach. Later, when your stomach is kind of settled down, put your hand on your head and say, in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, everything that is not of God, every unclean spirit, every deceiving spirit, start leaving me now and start seeing. You will start yawning and throwing up and you didn't know you could do it yourself. If you want to be safe, go to the bathroom and do it. You don't mess up your bedroom. Can do it. And you will realize, oh my gosh, I didn't know I was living in the midst of them. Oh, they are there. They are there. I'm doing it with people on video. Throwing up everywhere. You can do it yourself. I was living in a demonic infested world. See, when I grew up, when I was small, I grew up, I've told you, you know, I lived by the riverside, I mean the forest, the river, and our home here. So most evenings you went through the forest to the river. Okay. Rainy seasons, when you go through, you have to be careful. So what you carry is in a small dabba, you carry salt with you. Everybody has a packet of salt because tap, 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 leeches will fall on you. You are all scared of leeches. We grew among them. So we are not, okay. When the leech falls, don't pull it out because it's whatever that thing is. So you just put salt over it, it will die and it will fall off. Okay. You're walking through this green, pristine forest. What is falling over you? And that's what's happening in this world. Leeches are falling all over you every time you go to your office. Two-legged and other ones also. It's a demonic world. Unless you are full of the word, consciously, constantly ask the Spirit of God to keep filling you. We 
none of us are immune unless we learn to walk like Jesus. Jesus, it was different when they touched him, virtue flow. Faithless. Next thing, what's the other word he used there? What generation? Perverse generation. Acts 2.40. Peter's first sermon. With many other words he testified and exhorted them saying, be saved from this. Be saved from this. Perverse generation. Be friendly, but stay apart. Matthew 17, 17. What did Jesus say? Oh, faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? What did he say? Be with you. No, it's okay. No, rewrite the sentence and put the church there. The prepared bride of Christ. How long do you think the church is going to be here? What happens in the twinkling of an eye and overcoming church is taken away and the compromised church is left behind? What happens? How long? What happens? What happens? Because the bride will... Do you think the bride is going to be here forever? Go to Revelation 19, 7 and 8. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory for the marriage of the Lamb has come. His wife has made herself ready. She has made herself ready. And to her was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright, for fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. So she was waiting, watching and working. And she's ready. She's ready. What did God tell to Joshua? Tell the people, sanctify yourself. Sanctify yourself. For God is about to do wonderful things in your midst. Sanctify. The bride is ready. She had made herself ready. It does not say God made her ready. Though he does. It says she made herself ready. Matthew 17 and verse 18. And Jesus rebuked the demon. The child was cured. Until we are ready to tackle the demonic, the children are not going to be free. The older the children get, the more difficult it becomes. Why? Now the child has moved from the free will of the father to the free will of the person, the child, boy or the girl. Moving. That's why when this boy is brought over there, in the other account, in the other gospel, Jesus asks, how long? How long has he been like this? And the father says, from childhood. From childhood like this and he couldn't do anything? So the Bible says, 
Behold, I give you power over all the power of the enemy. You shall trample upon. You have to exercise it before you will know it works. You have to exercise it. This all happens by faith. I still remember I was in class 3 and I took that 1 rupee coin and I bought, I found the power of 1 rupee in the year 1971 or something. And do you know, I got a dairy milk for 1 rupee. Understood the power of 1 rupee. When I as a child first time went and bought something for myself, you realized its power because you exercised it. Try it. Don't need somebody. Try it on yourself. And you'll realize it works. First time, second time, it may not work because the devil is checking you out. Okay, does she mean it? Is he serious? When they realize you are serious, you will realize they are ready to leave. Exercise. Exercise. After learning that you are seated with Christ... After learning how to walk in your home and in your community, finally in Ephesians 6.10, God says, be covered with the power and might of God, strong in the Lord, power of his might, and what are you supposed to do? Stand. Against the enemy, take your stand. Daily, take your stand. It doesn't work any other way. You can't run before the enemy. Mothers have to learn to tackle situations. Because sometimes a tantrum your child is throwing is not normal. Don't normalize everything and go to Dr. Spock and read his nonsense and all. Go to the Bible. Look what the word of God says. He should say, I believe, my husband believe. Why is my child behaving like this? He can't, she can't believe behave like this. I won't allow it to happen. For the Bible says by the faith of the parent, your children are holy. I'm not going to allow. Fast. Pray. Don't normalize because that's what is happening in the world. Everything is desensitized. We are there by sensitizing to be violent, to be rude, to be worldly, to be carnal, to go into drugs, to be alcoholic, to be hooked onto the TV. All is normalized. That's not the normal. The Bible says they overcame him. They overcame him. Why were they able to overcame him? Because they believed. They believed in the blood of the lamp. They believed what God had done for us. They believed. They believed what the blood does. They believed what Christ has done for them. They believed. Do you believe? If any man is in Christ Jesus, all things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Do we believe? And they believed in the word of their testimony. They spoke what God spoke. Another thing, they did not love their lives. Verse 19 and 20. Listen to what Jesus says. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not cast it out? Jesus said, Oh, no, 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 no. You cannot cast it out. I am only I. Pastor Jesus can cast it out. You can't cast it out. Only me. He didn't say no. You can cast it out. Anybody can cast it out. He says, 
Because of your unbelief. Don't blame me. Don't blame the demon. Your unbelief. You don't believe. Assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain. Interesting, huh? They just came down from the mountain. Some of us have to speak to that mountain of comfort. The tabernacle, grace tabernacle. I want to just stay there. I don't want to go witness to anybody. I don't want to share the gospel with anybody. You need to ask that mountain to move. Down in the valley, there is a multitude. Demonization is not decreasing in this country. It is increasing. Because of your unbelief. If you say, move, it will move by the word of their testimony. They overcame. You have to say a lot of things in life you will realize. You have to say. You cannot think. It won't work. You have to say. I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed and you will say, you will say. Kids, I'm not kidding. My life was strange because I lived in a land where there was no Christianity, grew up there in a home where there was no Christianity, grew up with books all around me, read libraries after libraries. But the Bible says, even before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you and I set you apart. If you are saved, everyone who is saved, lift your hand. If you really know you are saved, act like one. Okay, first, if you are saved, remember, God knew you before you were saved. So everything that happened before you were saved was God ordained. Absolutely every facet of your life before you were saved was ordained by God. And I read everything. Every book in the world, Greek, Ulysses, Odyssey, Egyptian, King, Thor and all, you come as Hollywood movie. I read it in class 5. Storybook. Everyone I read. Then, I was wondering, no, all except the Bible, I read everything. I read the Ramayana and Mahabharata in one night, sitting through. And my father didn't stop me. I read it all, except the Bible. Except the Bible. Then came a season, continuing season in my life. God called me into a very strange ministry of delivering people, casting out demons. Let me tell you, every God I had read as a childhood, by name, manifested in front of me. When they said their names, I knew who they were, because I was prepared for that day. So when I manifest, Isis manifest, is not the Isis you hear about in the Middle East. It is the goddesses of Egypt. When Osiris manifests and before me, I know who that dude is. When Thor manifests, Athene manifests, and Minerva manifests, these are all demons still manifesting around the world and in people. You think this is a game? This is not a game. All these things are not stories. These are stories of demons. There was a time and a season. All these were worshipped. They are still around. As they change cultures, they change names. To be politically correct and safe from the pulpit, I am not mentioning the Indian ones. 
That's why I'm mentioning only the other ones. Every Roman god and goddess, Greek god and goddesses, Scandinavian ones, I have seen them manifesting in people. And you ask their name. But if you did not know, I wouldn't have known. No, you are lying. No, I realize who this due to us. How many of your children are bringing them from school? Because you want this hybro-secular education, right? There's nothing secular in this world. There is only the sacred and the demonic. There's nothing called secular. So don't be complacent. Watch where you walk. Watch where you go. Watch what you see. Watch what you read. Because there is a world outside that is for his children. Go to Revelation chapter 18. After these things I saw another angel coming down from heaven having great authority and the earth was illuminated with his glory. He cried out mightily with a loud voice saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, has become a dwelling place of demons. What is Babylon? This world. What is it, Babylon? It's a dwelling place for demons, a prison for every foul spirit, and a cage for every unclean and hated bird. It's not talking about birds. It's talking about demonic entities. I grew up in a country. Its actual name in the map is one thing, but in their language, the name of that country is something else. It's called Rukyul, which means the land of the peaceful dragon. The history of the land is that its founder flew from Tibet on the back of a tiger. And he established a monastery which takes you eight hours of walk to reach here, which is called Thaksang, which is tiger's lair. And that is the only country that was never colonized by the British because they had made a pact with the dragon. These are not jokes. These are not jokes. I've sat with lamas who are pastors today and they said, sir, we know what power is because we have exercised power. Exercised power. If the village did not bring their harvest to us, we know how to bring the wind and the hailstone and destroy their harvest so they will give it to us. We know. But when I came to Christ, I realized this is deadly. There was a sister who was saved because her father sent her to a Christian school. But her father was a very famous monk, Lama. She had, her father died and she had only one picture of him. She said, I was in Delhi in a believer friend's house. She's the person, the friend's house who Ravindra Maharaj was there. And she said, two weeks earlier, Maharaj had come and left. He's that West Indian uh, Hindu guru who became a Christian, very powerfully used by God. I don't know whether he's still alive. She said, when I went to the house of God, the presence of God was real. And she said, I heard, she was alone in the house. She said, she told me, James, she said, the Lord told me, you have a picture of your father. I know it's your father, but he was in the demonic Take that picture. Don't hold it. Burn it. She said, I went to the kitchen. I lit a candle and I put the picture. She said, 
out of the air a hand came, took the picture and went. We are not playing games here. We are talking about serious stuff that is happening day and night in this city, in so many places. They are gathering and doing occult and drinking blood for power and to bring a generation down. You don't even know, why am I not interested in God? How come all the messages doesn't stir me? Because you have been brought down by the occult. Because on another side, there is a church that is getting ready. There is a church that is on fire for God, willing to stake everything for God. The bride is making herself ready. That's what Jesus is saying. Why couldn't we do? He said, because of your unbelief. And look at verse 21, what he says. But this kind, he says, Matthew 17, 21, will come out only by what? Fasting and prayer, except by fasting and prayer. That is why I said we're starting tonight or tomorrow according to it. But make it your life's discipline until he comes. We are living in that time. You are not going to resist this demonic that is being released without a life of fasting and prayer and faith. And coming out of Babylon. You need to do these things. You need to come out of Babylon and say, I don't want anything to do. I'm sent into the world and I come out. I don't want anything into this world. Every place I preach, even to the simple little villages, I tell them, be careful when you go out. I said, learn Jesus' final lesson. Final lesson to the disciples before he's arrested. He wrapped a towel around his waist and he washed their feet. And Peter said, no. He said, if I don't wash, you will have no part in me. He said, then bathe me. He said, no, if you had a bath in the morning, you only need your feet to be washed. Remember that. Final lesson. And Moses stood before God. God said, take up your sandals. You are standing on holy ground. When Joshua wanted to know what to do next, God said, take up your sandals. You are standing on holy ground. Because shoes represent that part of you. Your feet represents a part of you which first touches the world. It's a representative place. First touches the world. Whenever you come back home from your office, your school, your college, have your chai, everything... What you do first is put on the tape, listen to worship or the word, let the word wash the world out of you, which you have picked, awares or unawares. Let it wash it away. First thing to do, let it be washed out every day. Because when you go into the world, there are things you're hearing and seeing, it's getting in. You're not aware. God said, I'm teaching a final lesson. If you want to be a part of me when I come to take you, do this consistently because you do not know the world that you're living in. The whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. Wash. 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes. It doesn't change whether you're in the city or the village. I teach the same thing. Wash yourself daily, your feet when you come back home. Wash your mind that has gone into the world. Cleanse yourself because we live in dangerous, dangerous times.
Go to John chapter 12, verse 12 to 15. Last few verses for today and we will close. The next day, great multitude had come to the feast when they heard Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him and cried out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. Today is what day? Palm Sunday. 2,000 years ago. The Sunday before, he rose again. They were all there saying, Hosanna. With palm trees. Few days later. John chapter 17. 89 and 40. This is what the crowd says. Did I give it to you? No. Not 18. 17, 39 and 40. John 17, 39 and 40. Seventeen, thirty-nine, and forty. Got it? Pardon? Okay, let me see if I get my reference wrong. You have a custom, eighteen, that I should release eighteen. Okay, summoned to you at Passover. Do you therefore want me to release to you the king of the Jews? And they all cried again saying, not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. Same crowd. Five days early. Hosanna. Hosanna. Five days later. What happened? Do you know what this generation had to go through? Do you know what happened to this generation when Titus came and destroyed Jerusalem? Palm Sunday. Go to Revelation chapter 7. The last four verses for today. 9 and 10. After these things I looked and behold a great multitude which no one could number of all nations, tribes, peoples and tongues standing before the throne, before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hands. Are it? Palm Sunday reached there also. They all got palm branches. And crying out with a loud voice, the song we sing, right? Salvation belongs to our God. Now read verse 13 and 14. Then one of the elders answered, saying to me, Who are these arrayed in white robes? Where did they come from? John. One of the 24 elders asked him, John, do you know who these are? Do you know where they come from, all these palm leaves? So many. Do you know who they are? Where they came from? He said, I don't know. Look at verse 14. I said to him, sir, you know. He said, these are the ones who come out of the great tribulation. These are not the raptured ones. These are the ones who came through the tribulation. Why? Because they were not prepared. They'll come. They'll come through tribulation. They washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Did you see the separation that took place? One set was prepared. Another set was not prepared. But the instant rapture took place, they believed. Everything they heard is true. But they also know the price. Now the price is, you have to die. Otherwise the Antichrist. Bow, bend or burn. 
they said bird you don't have we don't have to be in this group but by chance you or me miss the rapture be prepared for this that is the point we will never bow never bend to the antichrist never take his mark you do you're doomed for eternity you know there are churches in the world yesterday also it said there are churches in this world who are preparing their people for rapture and their children for tribulation who don't believe now what they do they have made booklets they have made it all ready and told the parents your rebellious children who don't listen when you disappear they will come home and let them read is how to come through tribulation this is not a joke this is the day and the hour the church was waiting for and it is a mystery it was never told to anyone you read through the bible new testament every letter was written to prepare a people for rapture every letter it's only when the generation was passing away they realized it was not their generation but every generation was prepared to live in the expectation of the lord's coming and that's what joshua's message is also is wait watch go down there's a work to do when he comes let you be found at your post doing what you have been called to do because there is a multitude that is demonized who need to be set free and there is an anointing for that to be set free and then let fasting and prayer be part of your life otherwise we will not survive and our children will not survive we have to make our choices if any man loves his life he will lose it if any man loses his life for my sake the gospel sake jesus says he will find it it's real so today make your choice it's a good day second of april next sunday is resurrection till be a different message but also always in the same lines i'll give you the text i don't know the message i only know the text for next sundays very rarely he gives me seven days in advance i don't know what happened this time he gave me this today's message i got it only this morning i was panicking last evening lord how come you're not telling me but he is faithful you know i'll give you the text Twelve, John twelve nine and ten. So you come prepared in your mind for that, okay? John twelve nine and ten. It's the text. He's never in all these years ever given me this text as a message. Now, great many of the Jews knew that he was there, and they came not for Jesus' sake only, but they might also see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. And the chief priests plotted. to put lazarus to death also now what the lord told me tell my people if they are born again they have the resurrection power there are people plotting to put you to death to destroy your witness and your testimony because the devil does not want the resurrection power testimony in this world 
There are powers that are plotting to destroy your witness and your testimony because they now are not only coming to Jesus, they are coming now to see Lazarus. That is what be born again means. You have come back from the dead. You are dead in your trespasses. He has made you alive. And the devil does not want that testimony. And he is plotting always to destroy, to put you to death. Not physically kill you, but kill you through other means. So be careful. Be careful. Watch your testimony. Living in exciting times, like the tale of two cities begins, the best of times and the worst of times. So let us stand up this morning. Like Pastor Vijay said, yes, last Sunday, not be just hearers of the word, we shall all go back and be doers of the word. Like I said, it's a self-help book. It is in the Bible, it is said, physician, heal thyself. Hmm. It's true. There was a, I read, there was a um, seminar for cardiologists, no? And while the seminar was going on, the speaker talked about how you need to go through, ask your patients to go through all these tests every year. And then he asked, how many of you cardiologists have taken a heart checkup this year? Nobody had. And they are advising every patient to take a checkup. But they themselves had not. So we have to be careful. We need to check our own hearts. I have to check my own heart. You have to check your own heart and go before God. Is my mind towards the world or am I looking up? And they opened their eyes. They saw Jesus. See, we should be easy. That's the only time Indian English is there. They saw Jesus only. They saw Jesus only. Now that's the message. When you are looking into any situation, keep looking, keep looking up, keep looking up until you are able to see Jesus only in the problem. Because if you don't see Jesus only and take your eyes off your off Jesus, you will sink. That's why Peter sank. Are you able to see Jesus only? Are you able to see only what he has said? I able to ring in your, this is what he said, but this is what he said, but this is what he said, but this is what he said. This is what he has said. Should be able to come back because you are living. If it becomes like book of Acts, and then great persecution arose in Jerusalem. Why? They were all built tabernacles and happily living there in Jerusalem. Persecution came, they were all scattered. But it is written, all those who were scattered went preaching the word wherever they went. Will you be able to? I told yesterday, I've always prepared the church. One day it will happen. When that happens, your home should be a church. One family, two family. Should be ready for that. See, my mind was framed in the underground church. I have seen how it operates. I know how it operates. And I have seen the same underground church which was on fire for God. As freedom starts coming, I have also seen the fire go down. Persecution is not per se a bad thing. It is coming. 
It is coming to India unless God shows mercy. It is coming. It's coming very close. 2024 is going to be the deciding year of this world. Then we will know which way it's going. Wait. Wait. But you cannot wait then. You have to prepare now. Lord, I will not bend. I will not bow. I would choose to burn. That was the three boys. Once the boys made that decision and the fourth man stood with them, Nebuchadnezzar had an edit. Let all the nations of the earth know their God is God. Their God is God. How did the Babylonian king have sent forth an edict saying the God of the Jews is God? Because three boys refused to bend. They said we will burn. If any man chooses to save his life, he will lose it. But if he is willing to lose it for me, he will find it. The story has never changed all these thousands of years. It has never changed. It is always the same. God finds one man in a classroom, one child in a classroom, in a university, in an office who refused to bend. Kind, gentle, polite, but refuses to bend. He becomes a witness. Comes a witness. So this new month, seven days before Resurrection Sunday, make up your mind. Choose this day, as Joshua said, whom you shall serve. God of your fathers on that other side or Yahweh. Elijah said the same thing. Choose this day whom you shall follow. Baal or Yahweh. The choice is ours. You don't have to shout it out. But you have to open your mouth and say to the Lord, Lord, I choose you. Whatever the price, I choose you. Whatever the price I'm willing to pay, I choose you. Over and above, anybody and everybody and anything, I choose you. You have to say it. Every man of God in the Bible and in history has said it. I choose you, Lord. Nothing in life is worth more than you. For when the Son of Man, he says, if you deny me on earth, I will have to deny you before my Father. So make your choice this morning. Start. Three months are over. Nine months are left. And we shall make our choices. Shall we pray? Father, this morning we come to you, Lord. We are making our decision. We have sung it many times. Especially during baptisms. Today it's not a baptism service. It's a Palm Sunday service. And we are speaking it out. I have decided to follow Jesus. The world behind me, the cross before me, I have decided to follow Jesus. Lord, it's not a song now. It's a confession. It's a proclamation. No man outside this church may hear. But there are powers of darkness who are listening. And to you we say, I have decided to follow Jesus. There's no turning back. There is no turning back. For my Lord and Savior, your Lord and Savior, everybody tried to persuade him, including Peter and the disciples, to turn back from the cross. 
But he set a face like a flint towards the cross for you and me. There was no turning back for him. There was no turning back for him. There is no turning back for us. For if any man puts his hand on the plow and looks back, said you are not worthy of the kingdom. Make your choices today. Lord, all those who are married with little children, little children still in your homes, still over whom we have control and authority, make that commitment today like Joshua. But as for me and my household, we shall serve the Lord. So help me, God. Teach me to look up and see you alone. Teach me to go down the mountain from that place of comfort and be able to see those who need help. Teach me to enter into my prayer closet to fast and pray that I can resist the forces that are after my children and the children of my friends and family. Teach me, Lord, to set apart time because the lives of our children are at stake. For what is written in the book of Judges is happening now. A generation is rising up who do not know their God. Teach me, Lord. Help me, Lord. Empower me, Lord. Let it not be just a routine life anymore. A mouthing of words without effect or meaning. When I say, Lord, hallowed be thy name, help me to mean it. That thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is heaven, in heaven. Lord, help us to mean it. Let it not be about me and myself and my home. Let it be about you and your kingdom. Protect our little ones, O oh Lord. They are precious in our sight. They are even more precious in your sight. Help us to know they are the most valuable entities you have committed into our hands. Not our work, not our career, not our rest, not our pleasures, our children. Help us to watch over them. Lord, I plead the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus over the church. I rebuke every power of darkness that I've taken. Anyone and everyone who has been taken captive to do his will. I speak release in the name of Jesus. I rebuke the powers of addiction. Every power that blinds and binds God's people are commanded to leave in Jesus' name. Let there be an opening of eyes and hearts, a loosening today to walk free, to serve you and you alone, O God. Thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Come with your children. As we go through this season of fasting, I pray, speak to each one, show each one, and deliver each one of us, O Lord, that we become useful vessels, the hands of the divine master in these last days. Thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Once again, we proclaim, Thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, forever and ever. God's people said, Amen. Amen. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit 
Rest and abide with each one of us. Amen. 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 God bless you.